Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full-Time Podcast. Hello and welcome to another NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards, and joining me, I can see in front of me, from left to right, I've got Rob Laurel. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. Hi, guys. And then to the right of me, I've got Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Hello, guys. And we've also got Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. You lose connection still, Dickie. We'll do Dickie in a minute. And joining us, we have our special guest this week is Dorking Wanderers manager, Mark White. Hello, Mark. Luke, hello, mate. Thanks for having us on, fresh off the back of a defeat. Yeah. <laughs> well, normally... In front of all your audience. Well, normally, the, we've saying it before we came on. I had a curse of the podcast happens after we've... We've uh, interviewed <laughs> someone, but we've done it. It's happened before this week, so that, that might be a good omen, Mark, because it might mean you'll go on a good run after this now. 100%. I'll hold you to that. Uh, well, 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 we'll start. Because you're on, Mark, we'll start with the South this week and the big game in the South was your game away at Dartford and it was a, a five-goal thriller that you're on the wrong side of in the end. Yeah, do you know what? In, in our last four games against Dartford, three of them have been 3-2. Um so um we um yeah we got beat. It was a great advert for the league to be fair. But Dartford uh, played really well. Um I'm uh, definitely blaming myself. I, I sort of changed how we set up yesterday, naively I'd say, so quick enough to take the plaudits, so gotta be quick enough to put your hand up. Um but that's no discredit to Dartford, played really well in front of a big crowd, and um it was a game they had to win, you know. They really had to win yesterday, looking at the league table, and um, uh, and they did. So they they they've kept themselves in the in the hunt for what's an exciting league. You had a slow start to the season, didn't you, Mark? What what was all that about? Because then obviously you've since rose to the top and you stayed there now. Yeah, listen, I mean, I'm sort of calling this the year of the underdog for us because we played about thirty five, forty percent of the season with six of our what would be first choice 11 injured we had an absolute horrific injury crisis and I'm not I mean A for financial reasons but also B because I don't believe in it we didn't just bring in loads of players and try to sticky plaster it we just went with the squad players it meant that our form was quite mixed Um, we then slowly got them back Um, you know then started hitting a real good bit of form Phenomenal 10 wins in a row, put ourselves at the summit. Um, and then Jason Pryor then went and broke his collarbone. So he's pretty much um, done for the season. And then Matt Briggs, who arguably would be most people's best player in the league almost. You know, he, he's he gone and done an ACL last week. So it seems like we're pushing water uphill this year. So to be where we are in the table... We are really pleased and proud of that, to be quite honest. It's been a real roller coaster. So we're just, we're in the mix. That's all we can ask for. Yeah, you've had a pretty decent run uh, with only just the odd result of a, a bit of a blip of a result. And I, I, I did a lot more, I don't know what's the right word. I found out a lot more about Dorking a few weeks ago, Mark. As, as you know, we were in touch and I was due to come and cover one of the Dorking games and it didn't work for whatever reason in the end. But, um, while I was doing that, I got absolutely fascinated in the story. I really did. Um, you know, right, the, the fact that the club 
is only what uh, 21 22 years old 1999 the fact that you're you're on your second ground the humble beginnings at West Humble um the the, the move to Medibank what just four years ago um and now you know you stand on the edge of of going to the highest level of non-league and do you get the odd moment where you sort of pinch yourself and go Jesus Christ <laughs> yeah I mean mostly when you see all the kids in the shirts in the high street and the crowds are going up and you know we we, we was a bunch of friends that started a team and we paid a fiver each to play for about seven years um, in park football. Like we, we in Division Five of some Crawley District Saturday League, it was the physically the lowest level. So did you used to play a bit then as well? Did you play? Yeah, yeah, I played yeah. for about 10, 12 years. But it was just like a, it was run like an old school Sunday side. You know, it was just have a beer, um, you know, after the game, and, and and you know, have a bit of fun, bunch of mates. So. Yeah, obviously we so we had no we had no supporters. We had nobody, you know, dragged the nets across the pitch. So when I drive through the high street on a match day, and you see, I think last week we had the best part of three thousand, and it's really caught on um, locally the story. So yeah, that's the you know pinch yourself bit, and for that reason, we've always got to remember those beginnings when we have a, you know, when, when we have a defeat like we did yesterday, and you know I come home and. My family's all hiding behind the couch and got trash helmets on and, you know, standard <laughs> stuff. Um, you have to remember where you come from, you know, because we have, you know, we, we're always we're always doing well, if that makes sense, you know. Yeah, and, and, and I think what's, with that occasional slip up, like, say you beat Maidstone, that was a, you know, a fantastic three points a week before. Um, you know, had you possibly, I, I'm sure you'd have rather have beaten Dartford yesterday, but... What, what what happens now as a result of the fact that you've lost that game, Maidstone three points behind, got a game in hand? There's, there's not even a, a, a sniff of a chance of any of your players are going to start to get complacent and think it's done, is it? Because you're going to have to go to the wire. It's a long way to go. You know, there's teams seven, ten points, you know, or, you know, sort of in third or fourth. They're only a sort of straight amount of victories away from putting themselves in the mix. I, I think, I really think... Um, can't count the chickens this time of year. Five, six games out, you can be a bit more strategical. It's hard to get reversals, but I think sort of a dozen games out, 11 games out, whatever it might be, you do have to try and look at it one at a time. Uh, it, but it is obviously not that straightforward because everyone's, you know, focusing on on what could be, but what could be only happens if you do the business and, and you only do the business, you know, worrying about the next game. That, that's where that's at. And Mark, sorry to hog all the questions here, lads. Um, with being the manager, the owner, the chairman, the lot, um, which I know is something you've done since the beginning, and I'm sure that does get more challenging, although you've got great support from your volunteers, your partners. Um, the reality is, and, and, and you won't be getting above your station here, but there's a possibility, however big that is, that you may get promotion to the National League next year. What is the situation with the ground, with Medibank? Um, should you go up? Um, can you go? Can you stay at Medibank for a short while? Have, have you got to move again? I know there have been a lot of talks and plans about another new ground. Yeah, we've um, we're 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 part of a deal that's just bought a you know a huge plot of land for thirty odd million pounds through alongside our sponsors. So um, we've got that. Um, and we're really happy where we are at Medibank as well. We've got um, 60 teams now, 6-0. Uh, 
from four-year-old upwards. We've got an academy with over 100 boys and girls in it. Um, so we've, um, we've got a, a big need for lots of different facilities and we've got physical options at the moment. We're just weighing up what direction to go. But the, the club's always found a way to progress. I'd say we're probably more in control now than we ever were. I remember sometimes me saying to somebody, and I've been right through it. I've been there when someone said, well, you've got to rope the pitch off. And I say, what do you mean? Rope it off? What do you mean? And we, we had to borrow a rope. I've been there when they said, you do realise you need floodlights next year. And I said, well, how much are they? You know, we, so we've been there, done it. And it, mm. it, we, we have got, you, you, you made a great point, Rob. We have got a seriously, I'll say our infrastructure behind the scenes is probably bigger than that of a League One club. Um, we've got a huge amount. We've got a, uh, an exec board, a non-exec board, huge amount of volunteers, uh, project managers, all in the club, different skill sets. And that's just off the field. So we're in a better place now to go to the next step than probably before. But we'll never change what we stand for as a club. Um, you know, that's really important to us. Does that mean maybe having to go professional then, Mark? Yeah, maybe, but... Do you know what? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not, um, not convinced it's as necessary as it used to be. In my head, in my head, I'd like to be the first club to play in, in the EFL part time, right? Um, I want to. In my head, I'm thinking, you know, I looked at um, watched Boreham Wood and Everton, you know, and um, I've got a big theory that the fitness and agility and sharpness is closer than ever before. Um, it's just a generation thing. You know, I've come through three to four generations of footballers and maybe like some of you on, on here, not, not, not quoting ages, but, you know, historically in the changing room, you know, you'd have some people pre-season throwing up being sick. They just needed pre-season to get one bloke that was surprisingly fit. Now you come back pre-season and they're just all like fit as butchers dogs, you yeah. know, like, Health is just like health and vitality and all these modern ways, are, 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 you know, you know, more popular than ever before. And I just feel like the gap is not anywhere near as big. I think there's a technical gap in not being part, uh, not being full time, you know, strategically, you know, dead balls and analysis, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm not sure there's a fitness gap, to be quite frank, is the answer yeah. to what we do. Yeah. Or. Or, or, or to put it in, in other words, you're still open-minded and that's important as you progress, isn't it? You, you, you can't always be too blinkered in your thinking because you can go too far down the wrong way. It's a fascinating yeah. argument. We have it most years. There's less and less part-time teams left at the National League uh, level. And uh, I, I'm sure, that, I mean, they're relatively close to you as well, but you'll have watched closely the situation at Woking where they've, they've transitioned to full-time this year. It hasn't gone smoothly. Um, you know, and, and, and Woking have gone from the the highest level club in the south and perhaps Halifax maybe um, in the north have got the pick of the best part-time players in the country. Um, and the that thing, door's it, kind, of, kind of opening may, maybe for you, potentially, you know. Yeah, that's the thing. Is that it's all about your objectives. You know, for me, if you're, if you're a Woking, your first decision is, well, if we do go full-time, do we still believe that the resources can get us in the top 10 based on what everybody else, the resources of everybody else? 
And if you don't think that can happen, you might take a mindset that having the best of the part-time players is more likely to get your objective. So, you know, it's I don't think people often put enough thought into the wider picture. That National League now, it is a third division because across the years, I mean, I don't think the EFL, I'd imagine I'd be very surprised if they don't agree with three up, three down soon because they'll be inheriting better clubs than what they've got. <laughs> right? Yep. So, you know, like yep. everything's changed. Everything's changed. So it's an interesting one. Going back to, to Rob's point about the full time, I mean, at what point do you need to start thinking about that? If Say if you were five points clear with three matches to go or something like that, would you start uh, sort of planning for next season? Have you got sort of different scenarios planned out already? No, none really, Chris, to be honest. I mean, we just... Um, um, we've got a we've got a full time Mark Beard Stockport assistant, yeah, yeah. Yeah. as you know. Mark's now full time with us. He's our first ever full time on field um, staff member. So there are little scenarios we've looked at, the, you know, the kind of couple of mornings model and stuff like that. But you know, I spoke to um, Dows um, in his Woking days about when he was doing it part time and how he went around that quite close with Crawley and look at how they operate in League Two, you can make an argument for two to three different models, to be quite frank. But I don't think fitness necessarily is an argument for full-time anymore. I think it's more so the kind of infrastructure of strategical stuff, the technical stuff that it gives you the leg up on. Two things strike me really is... um... Clearly, your ability to adapt as a football club is, is quite, um, you know, must be quite high. You know, you, you you started out where you began and you are where you now are now. Then, you know, you've got to have shown, um, you know, an, an ability to adapt to your circumstances. Um, and, you know, it strikes me there's probably a, quite a big can-do attitude as well in that, you know, when you've come up against these things, like we haven't got floodlights, you've you've dealt with that and 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 that probably speaks a lot of you but the people around you at the football club as well yeah majorly yeah well we're really fortunate you know we've got so many great people around us at the club and i do feel i've had i've had i mean i walked into a parish council meeting once where you know if they didn't vote for floodlights we was doomed that was it you know and so I've had situations, I mean, and this was after, you know, we, we, they'd been rejected, these floodlights, and this was on appeal, and we was desperate to get support. And, you know, so I've had sleepless nights about progression. Um, you're dead right. But now the amount of people around us, we our, our local authority, you know, they, they support us. You know, they support us because they're good people, but also they benefit hugely. We're a market town. The high streets got a lot busier. The car parks can't move on a Saturday. There's a lot of people around us that support us. And we do feel more organised now than we have been before. Um, and we do like being in our heads. We have to be the underdog, you know, because of where we've come from. And people always say when they see progression, they just think money. They just think money. Well, the fact of the matter was I was working in the city on about 20 grand a year back in the day and I put in £200 a month and then, you know, we've grafted for donkey's years and we worked so hard to keep the project going. So we like putting ourselves up against the big boys 
we like you know um that sort of title and uh, we really enjoy what we do so people buy into that project as well yeah, I was going to say that as well. It does feel like, you know, you've you've engaged the whole community there. Again, from where you began, you know, at, at some point you must have felt, you know, this is like a snowball starting to roll downhill and it's gathering pace and people are coming on board. I mean, at what point did you get a sense that, that it was starting to grow that, that big? Maybe like when we're sort of in the old Ishmael League, step four, I, I tend to not get, um, you know, ahead of ourselves, I think that's worked really well. Like, I don't really think too much about where we are, etc. Um, I just try to look at that particular season and just trying to obtain success. Really, that tends to be the driver. Just you know, and everything else. There, there's kind of like every time we get promoted, which has happened a lot, there's like a meltdown moment <laughs> where you just collapse. <laughs> in a ball of tears. You know what I mean? Because you're just like, wow, did we achieve that? And I don't really sit still long enough to think about it. So, you know, it'd be nice to have that again, but long way off. Well, looking at the other sort of teams behind you in the National League South, of course, your biggest challenges were, were Maidstone. You beat them last week. That was a big result for you. It was looking ominous for them as well. They were 2-0 down at Hungerford, but they came roaring back in the end, Jack Barham scoring late on. And, and that was a massive result, wasn't it, for Hakan and his team? Because they didn't want back-to-back defeats, did they? No, 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 exactly. And, um, yeah, I mean, by all accounts, I mean, they're the... When you're outside looking in as a football fan, like we all are, when you see them last-minute victories of teams at the top, you sort of have that, oh, here we go, maybe it's them this year. I think that's a... You look for common traits with good sides that win leagues and late goals and late winners. That's one of them. But look, Hakan's doing a great job. The fans are, are right behind them down there. It's a division where, as proven this year, you know, everybody's competitive. And um, because of that, 11 games is a long way to go. But I think, um, you know, it was great for them to bounce back. And that's going to give them a big boost they're playing Braintree on Tuesday night, their game in hand. I'd imagine, you know, they'd expect to, to take three points there. Well, that would be a tough game. And um, Hakan would be really pleased with that yesterday. The point that you just made, something similar happened last week in the National League, actually. We noticed, I think, four of the top five all found a way to win 1-0. And at this stage, you love, you've got to love a 1-0, haven't you? It, sometimes yeah. those 1-0s those feel better than the 3-1s or whatever, don't they? It's an all-cost win, exactly. Or draw, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so. but just behind uh, them, Mark, uh, probably would you say the surprise package of the season at Oxford City, they, they won 5-0 against Tunbridge Angels, albeit Tunbridge Angels goalkeeper Johnny Henley was sent off after 10 minutes, so they had to put a full-back in goal, which helped them immensely. But uh, they've done really, really well, and they, they kind of, they just, the departure of David Oldfield doesn't seem to trip them up at all, does it? Yeah, it's a great point, Luke. I think that everyone thought with David Oldfield going that, you know, that, that would be the sort of end of a, a good 18-month spell for Oxford. But David recruited really well there and um, he's designed a great pattern of play, great start of football, got real athletic team. They're, uh, they're probably, I'd say, uh, our toughest game this season when we played them at Meadowbank. Not three weeks ago, got a close uh, one nil 
on a Tuesday evening. And um, yeah, to your point, great point, uh, the new management have just taken the steering wheel. And and I think they're in the mix. I think Oxford are in the mix. They've got the type of team that could win week in, week out. The style of football they play, very well drilled, um, is, is really effective in this division. So I think they're um, definitely still in the mix. They're one of those teams in the mix with Ebsfleet as well. Yeah, absolutely. They won 2-0 away at Bath City, who were on a horrendous run. We'll get on to the, the bottom of it very shortly. But Ebsfleet, they've had a, a bit of a rocky spell over the last couple of weeks, but that's uh, back-to-back wins for them now. Yeah, it is. I mean, Dennis, good guy, Dennis and Damien at Ebsfleet. They're great people and uh, we get on really well. I think Ebsfleet have struggled this year against teams in the top, uh, the top six, top seven. They're... You know, I think if you looked at their form against the rest of the league, they'd be top. Um, so, you know, that's a, the type of win they've had all season. Um, they play probably the best brand of football in the league. And I think it's a lot of credit to Webb's fleet as well, because to have a, a German manager come over, not even complete one season, have no idea about the level of football, who the players are, where they're from, is real credit to to Ebsfleet and um, you have to think that if they don't go up this year with Dennis at the helm and his, his experience growing it would be a matter of time to be quite frank mm. and and just behind them in 6th in and 7th Dulwich Hamlet and St Albans City they both lost on Saturday they lost to Hampton and Richmond Borough that was Dulwich and St Albans they lost 1-0 at Eastbourne it was just one point behind them now in that last playoff spot looking to take St Albans' place and the scorer for Eastbourne Borough was Charlie Kendall. We've mentioned him a lot on this podcast. That's He's got his 17th goal of the season on Saturday. He's already been snapped up by Lincoln City as well. And, and it's great, isn't it? I mean, what do you make of, firstly, him as a player, but also the fact that football league clubs are looking at like teams in the National League South now for players? Well, this is it. I mean, we had it with Sam Beard, um, who obviously is now at Barnet in the National. Uh, Mark's son, Mark Beard's son. Um, but, I mean... You know, I, I had this conversation yesterday. Under 23s football, um, EFL, Premier League, even is massively struggling, massively struggling. And you know, the the players now, these clubs realise that the players um, are best off playing first choice football at whatever level they can. So, if I'm a 17, 18 year old prospect, if I go and have a great season somewhere like a Charlie Kendall there's no question that my next move is going to be professional. Mm. You know, it happens in t- uh, all the time at the moment. Eastbourne, good setup, uh, not great resources, in honesty, for this division. Dave Blackmore, Danny Bloor, great people that run the place. I would have them in the playoffs. I think they'll find a way. We're down there, we're down there next Tuesday. Um, and they're the type of team, like many in this league, that can beat anyone on their day. St Albans, I think they've had, we talked about stereotypes, they've had that stereotypical FA Cup run. Mm. You know, it's, you know, it is just, you know, boring with a side maybe, but ordinarily very difficult to manage both, you know, league form and cup form and games in hand maybe staring up the table, smaller squads, and they've been very in and out since that cup exit. Just behind him, we've got Hungerford, Chippenham and, and Hemel Hempstead, as well as Havant and Waterlooville. And 
Hungerford and Chippenham are probably, and also along with Hemel, they're probably the three surprise teams. I mean, Hungerford were up in the playoffs for the, uh, a lot of the season. They have just kind of slipped down a little bit, but they've always got a chance with someone like Ryan Seeger up front. And especially with the, the resource that they got there, they work on a very tight ship at Hungerford. They're having a fantastic season, as are Chippenham. Yeah, completely. I mean, look, be, being being really candid, and this, by the way, this is nothing to do with Hungerford. We've got a great relationship, myself and Patrick there. Um, but some of the clubs you've mentioned today, even, I, I said this a long time ago, I don't believe this is an ordinary season. I don't believe it is in the National League anywhere because there was a lot of money um, that was carried over from last season to be candid about it. Mm. You know, I like to just <laughs> say how it is, you know. <laughs> You know, in football, you get the inside story. There's clubs, a four-name clubs during this call that have bought players, you know, got players on long-term deals. You know, there was um, there was lottery money given. The, the season got cut short. There was furlough to support clubs. I don't believe going into next season that the resources of some clubs will be the same as what they were this season. That's what I'm saying. And I think yeah. that's why... I think that's why the, the, the division is so tight. I do believe it's been more competitive than before for that reason. Um, I, I also think um, as well that um, the National League has attracted um, a good level of quality coaches and management team. Mark Jones at Hemel, great manager, good background, ex-Oxford City. The young lad at Hungerford, uh, Danny Robinson, FA Vars winner. You know, you look around and there's, you know, there was a time where you had a lot of old school managers. And again, speaking candidly, you turn. we used to feel like we'd turn up and win against some managers. We knew how they played. They'd have one way of playing. That was it. You'd beat them. Now, you know, it's not quite the case. Um, a lot of great coaching teams, modern tactics. Yeah, down in 12th as well, they haven't at Waterlooville. They're just below uh, Hemel and Chippenham and Hungerford. They won 2-1 against Chelsea City. Amazingly, that's uh, their first back-to-back because our consecutive wins at home since October. And uh, we've talked about them a lot with, with the likes of Ian Herring. And they seem to have been... Uh, do you think they are underachievers this year, haven't? Yeah, they'd have to be. I'm, I'm sure Doz sure would be the first to admit that. I know I would if I was in Dodge's shoes. But what I would say is it's easy for people to think, oh, they're full-time. That's the message you hear. They've had a lot of injury problems their end as well um, that he's had to deal with down there. But he's definitely underachieving compared to where he set his objectives. It was, you know, to be honest, we whacked them on Boxing Day and they didn't really recover for some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're now one that they're unbeaten in three. And... Um, You'd have to say with this many games to go, they could be that perennial dark horse to sneak in the playoffs. They've got the players down there. They've got the management team. So, you know, they might finish with a wet sail. That, that, <laughs> nice one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they're, they're, that, uh, yeah no looking, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> Points-wise, they're seven off it. They've got a game in hand on one or two of the clubs above them. Um, you're absolutely right. If you're picking a team from that mid-table, it might just reach up and uh, cause a bit of havoc late on. They probably are the ones. I want, yeah. I want to talk quickly down at the bottom, Mark, because there's probably four teams who we're looking at in terms of relegation. Obviously, Bill and Ricky, sadly, are in 
Look, as though they're in pole position at the minute. They took on Welling and drew 2-2. Welling came from behind twice in that game. And Welling will be a lot happier with that point, won't they, than Bill Ricky He'll feel like it's a bit of a missed opportunity, potentially. Yeah, completely. Completely. I think if we're talking about excitement for the neutral, if Bill Ricky go and get two wins back-to-back mm. um, from somewhere, and cool, I cool, think cool. Bill Ricky are, are at a stage where... They need one to go to go in off the arse, as they say. Mm. Um, you know, if they go and get a couple of wins, that is a tight table. I mean, Braintree have done brilliantly there with Ryan to pull up, pull away. They're in great form, but you've had clubs there, Concord, Tunbridge, Bath, getting dragged into that. 11, 12 games to go. Mm. Billy Ricky shouldn't be, you know, redundant right now. There are only a couple of wins and that being a real grandstand job. Now, Dickie uh, in our WhatsApp group this week threw in a lot of stats which went over my head, but him and Rob seemed to understand it, which was good. But one of the ones was uh, the, the name that screamed out there, Dickie, was Bath City. You you, uh, you brought up an interesting stat about him. Yeah, I was just looking at um, performance in the month of February just because I'm trying to um, figure who um, might be candidates for manager of the month. Um, and yeah, I, it just really stood out that Bath lost every game they played in February, they lost again yesterday. So that's five defeats in a row. And I think they've only got one win and one draw in their last 10 that I could see. So things are going quite badly awry there by the looks of things. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jerry and that down. I don't want to make out like I like every club because I don't. But, um, <laughs> but they're, um, they're good people in Bath. And uh, Jerry would be the first to admit where he's at. Um, personally, I think you know. I think Jerry um, and I think they um, they they get a lot of young loans, and I think that that makes it quite tough. Um, you know, to to make this this division is is a tough division. But yeah, I think that they would be the, the reverse surprise package. Really, I did not see them being down where they are, but it's just one of those really like eleven games to go. You know, there'll be teams that get a couple of wins and then kick on a bit. And, um, yeah, you, you'd like to think they're one of those sides that could do that. They've got great players, but zero confidence. You know, young players, confidence is obviously a big deal. At Tombridge, uh, they're in 18th, as we mentioned. They lost five don't, marks. Don't Fox. mention that word in front well, of Mark. Please. I was going to say, Mark, yeah. they've um, yeah. they've had a funny old season. They've done really well in the FA Trophy, struggled in the league, but then they've beaten the likes of yourselves twice, haven't they? So, Yeah, yeah, honestly, we're... Um, yeah, I'd rather Tunbridge, <laughs> uh, you know, with, with Steve and that. But no, we um, if we was in a mini league with Tunbridge, Hungerford, and teams like that, we'd be rock bottom. <laughs> yesterday, yesterday was the last, Yesterday was the first game we've lost uh, against anybody in the top six. We've won, played eight, won eight, um, and um, it, we you know, we we do struggle historically against those type of teams, but. They're, listen, they truly are on, on low resources. Um, they play on hot air, if that makes sense. They're an aggressive team. They can beat anyone on their day. And um, I think the keeper getting sent off and no replacement yesterday in particular would have been their biggest issue. And, and finally, I think we can say, like, uh, potentially you're saying Braintree and Concord are safe. I mean, Concord, they've only won one of the last five, but Braintree, the farm team, four out of five, wins now and they, they won on Saturdays we mentioned against Chippenham they scored late on through Johnny Critchlow but they are the farm team in the division at the minute aren't they or one of anyway 
Very much so. Very impressive manager. I'm going to amazed and choose with my brain tree replica shirt on. Um, this, 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 this Tuesday night. What's been most impressive, I think, it's just been the score lines. Like I look for that in managers. I look for managers that can win one nil. I'm rubbish at it, you know. Really yeah. poor at it, you know. Like I'm a bit of a Kevin Keegan job, really, um, in terms of like, you know. Um, but we'll score more impressive. than you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But we, um, you know, going away from home and winning one nils, two ones, and I, I think yeah, I think the results have been great and. Um, you know, they gave us a really good game, narrow 2-1 victory at Metabank, uh not six weeks ago. So, yeah, I think I think they would be you know, looking for teams in form at that end of the table. Uh, in actual fact, Braintree would probably be the only ones and Hampton who picked up their first win in what seemed an eternity. So we're going to move on and look at the National League. Don't worry, Dickie, we'll come to you last this week uh, on the National League North stuff, but to feel free to chip in on the National League. And Rob... Always moans that I don't come to him first on all the shots. Well, I am this week because there were the TV game when he took on Stockport County, so it was a very relevant game uh, on Saturday evening. Rob was worried that he got absolutely battered on TV. It, it was only 2-0. Was it as comfortable as it sounded and looked? Yeah, 100%. The most pointless second half in the history of football, <laughs> Stockport County, 2-0 um, you know, just, up. You know, just cruising through the rest of the game, really. Um, as uh, Mr. Challoner alluded to, uh, I caught up with him. We'll play that in just a moment. For Aldershot, um, they had they had one chance yesterday, and that was to go sort of 15 minutes, half an hour, 45 without conceding, go longer into the game without conceding, try and take a, a chance, a set piece, a counter attack themselves. It went, uh, you know, it went to pot after 14 minutes. Um, two goals up with 26 minutes gone, and effectively the spectacle in the game was was really, really over it, which is a sad thing for me to say because Aldershot just don't have that attacking punch at the moment. Mark Molesley knows that. He's the first to admit it. And this is why he's got to set his side out to be as hard as possible to beat. But Stockport, um, they have put themselves in a position now where it is theirs to lose. It's not done like Mark's Dawkins in, in the South. It's definitely not done. Um, I haven't even been able to bring myself to play back the... Uh, the BT Sport coverage at the minute because it was it wasn't just defeat it was just dull to watch. Um, there you go. Harsh on Jeff, speak- Lee, Jeff and the crew alone. That was a- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sure they did a great job yeah. presenting. But listen, um, we've got a county expert on with us as well in Chris. So let's let Chris. You watched it on your mobile phone, I believe. What did you? What was your take? I did. I was I was visiting uh, relatives yesterday, but I had it on my little mobile phone. Um, and I tell you what, it was very similar to um, to the result at Dagenham Redbridge, which was also on uh, BT Sport. It was also the late game where where County went two 0 up, but that time it was after about three or four minutes, and then they just managed the rest of the game. And that's what it looked to me like they did um, yesterday as well. They didn't they didn't overly exert themselves once once they got those couple of goals, um, like in that game at Dagenham Redbridge. I mean, Will Collar and Ryan Crowsdale have been absolutely magnificent all season and they looked magnificent again yesterday. And I think you saw an Oli Crankshaw yesterday, Rob, who's been, who was fired up because he's not always in the starting 11 every week and he's a fantastic player and I think he just let loose yesterday. He was, he was magnificent again. This run is going to have to come to an end soon. Um, that's I think that's 15 out of 16 now that they've won. Um, and But it... Just not yet. Obviously, I think this every week and it just, it's not stopping. 
We'll have a quick chat with Dave Challoner after the game. Solid 2-0 win. All the damage done in the first half. Yeah, really good performance in the first half that does the hard work and puts you on the way to winning the game and, and second half. Um, we wanted an improvement on last Saturday in terms of control and I thought our control in the game was really good. I can be critical and say we should go and get a third and a fourth and, and be ruthless and pick them off, but I can t- we are a work in progress. We are working on things that will make us a better team and if we had nothing to work on, then... Maybe I wouldn't be concerned, but certainly from my perspective, that is is a positive, and we'll get better in that aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, your two goals up at half time, and uh, Dave Challenger loves uh, a clean sheet. Is that is that seven out of nine now, or something it, like that? We're on a good run. Yeah, yeah. we are on a, on a on a really good run. Um, and listen, that's credit to not not just the, the the back four and the goalkeeper. Although we take lots of plaudits, we've changed our shape tonight and played in a different way. But the the, the work rate from them right the way through the, the squad has been brilliant and, and, and they do take a pride in keeping the, keeping the, the ball on that we still want to be expansive and want to be open which means that we will put the ball at risk and we will leave ourselves um, a little bit exposed sometimes but that means you have to work extra hard to get back in and our emergency defending's brilliant and our, our, our will to recover um, is fantastic and that will go a long way to hopefully achieving what we want by the end of the season Great to see you back in the National League. You've always been a credit to that with an excellent record and lost count of how many promotions you've had now as a manager. Um, different subject, but we love to follow closely on the NL full-time podcast, um, uh, England C. That's coming up at the end of the month. And I know you don't want lots of players going off and playing in that game, but I, I don't know if there's a criteria of maybe only one or two per game. But I bet there's a bit of competition in your team wanting to be picked for that, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, and I believe, I don't know how too much detail, we've not been sent too much, but I believe it's not limited to under no 23. Age it's no age limit. So, listen, that will be a... That'll be a strong team. Um, yeah, listen, I, I think you'd, you'd hope from from our perspective and, and from all the clubs at the top, really, um, that have got, I suppose, almost bigger fish to fry a little bit. That um, whenever, yeah, whenever, whenever that game <laughs> happens, that yeah. people are sensible in terms of what they're asked and mm. they get through that game. And I, I know the the value of it and the importance to it to the to the national league and, and um, to have a team that represents. Mm. Um, us as a, as a league if you like and, and non-league in general um, so it like I say it'll be it'll be a good one for players to play in hopefully fingers crossed nobody, anyone who goes there doesn't come back or pick up any injuries that could affect um, the competition further down the line and from a selfish perspective obviously not only my players are important in that <laughs> yeah that was a uh... There was an ominous comment in there, Rob, when he says, well, Rob and Chris, either of you can answer this, but when he said, we're a work in progress, that's uh, that's ominous, isn't it? Well, it, it is, but I was just going to throw something over to, to, to Mark, who, you know, of course, you're, you, 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 you've got your 100% focus on your team and your league, Mark, but you will have looked up, you'd have kept an eye on this division and with the riches that they've got available, the, 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 I'm talking about riches in quality of a playing squad, when Dave Challoner goes back in, to Stockport County, you must look at that and think, well, blimey. Um, you know, that's a manager who knows what he's doing with a set of players that have got a lot of quality. Yeah, so uh, Beardy and Rusky, um, who went up there, I mean, actually, the new owners, Chris, were present the evening we beat Stockport in that FA Trophy. And they was there that evening um, and we had a conversation about them taking over. And I think, you know, as in all good leaders, they made uh, a ruthless decision at the right time. They knew the objective was to get promoted. 
they knew the resources against it, they knew the squad, and they brought in the man for the job. Um, and at the moment, they've been proven right. And just on the on the work in progress thing, and, and, and it's another one that Mark might be interested in. Well, you have to keep your players on your toes, on their toes, don't you? I mean, you can't let complacency set in. And there are areas that they can improve on. You know, I've seen them. Um, they played at home for the last four Saturdays, apart from yesterday, and and it was one nil victories against teams in the in the second half of the table. And there are still areas that that they can improve on. And he doesn't want them getting complacent. He plays a very no, well, when when the scores are level, I know he managed the game yesterday, but he play, often plays a high press and a high intensity game, and he can't have the player slacking off. Just behind them at Chesterfield, now they could have been three points behind. However, they dropped two points, and that was because they drew two two with Southend. Conceded two minutes from the end three. Fraser Kerr, uh, an own goal from him after Chesterfield have been comfortable in the first half, but Southend, Kevin Mars. He was talking about the new mentality in the South End side, said they'd never give up. Paul Cook was saying that there's no blame attached to anyone. They feel like they're in a bit of adversity at the minute. So both managers were, were quite bullish after that draw, weren't they, Rob? Yeah, they were. I, I just think I, I like the way South End have backed up their form. You know, it's, it's a fantastic story. They did very similar to Aldershot in that they come from right down there with a really good run of 10 games, you know, barely losing. They've then kicked on while all the shot have slipped right back. Um, and, and, and on the back of that form, they've had really, really good draws at Chesterfield and at Solihull Moors, who both, you know, right up there. Um, it might just pr- prove a little bit too much now um, for Southend to, to complete the impossible and, and reach those payoffs. It's, it's mathematically possible. But um, yeah, it would have been a flattening one for Chesterfield. They had an opportunity to go level on points prior to the Stockport kickoff. Mm. Uh, and it slipped away late on. And I, I haven't got the stats in front of me, but Chesterfield under Rowe, under Cook now, um, even under the interim manager, um, they've let too many leads slip this season. Otherwise, they'd be right on Stockport County's shirt tails. Yeah, what I'd say about Chesterfield, I think I think partly because of the form of the teams around them, particularly um, County, Stockport County at the minute, they, I mean, one point isn't good enough at this stage, but they've taken seven out of the last nine of points available. They won the, the two previous games before that. So there are signs that, that Paul Cook is turning it round and, you know, late goals can can happen at, at any point. Paul Cook, as you say, very disappointed. I was I was looking in his post-match interviews, he refers a lot to what the fans want and what the fans are, are talking about. And the fans want two up front. And he says, we can't do that at the moment with injuries and, and things like that. And um it, he, he he does talk direct to the fans in his, his post match interviews, which is which is pretty good, I think. Yeah, but equally, if you listen to every fan mark that tells you out of what who to pick <laughs> and what what formation, you're you're, you're on a sticky wicket, mate. And <laughs> problem is these days you are luckily because you know you know uh, the owner as well. I can just tell him not to come back, but the, um, <laughs> which I did, which I did do last year, famously when Slough beat us five three. And it was pissing down with rain about two years ago. And everybody left 10 minutes before the end. And I was fuming. I was soaked wet through. And in the post-match <laughs> interview, I've done a bit, ironically, a bit of a key. And I said, listen, don't bother coming back if you can't stay to the end. You know, <laughs> but anyway. Um, the back, thankfully. No, the, thing is, the, the problem is now, and actually Dowson's a pretty pointing case. Managers are quite aware that I'd say, honestly, 80% of the time, the fans get them the sack, honestly. So, if I'm a manager, 
I probably want the fans to like me. Fact of the matter. Hmm. In terms of South End, I mean, you mentioned having in the South about being there's a team who who does one team that goes into the playoffs. You look at South End, like Rob said, it is a big possibility, but. With the ground they've got there, with the crowd they've got there, the run they're on, they're unbeaten in the last five, albeit three, the last three are draws. They could sneak in there. And there's always a team with momentum you just pile on, don't they? I think Southend, we... Um, um, you went there Kev's, in the cup, nearly beat them. Yeah, yeah, that was Kev's first win. Um, they nicked, uh, We should have beat them, to be fair. We played really well that day. And um, Kev nicked a winner last 10 minutes and almost hugged me at the end like the most relieved man ever. And I'll tell you what, he's kicked on, you know, and, and they've really kicked on and they've got the support, they've got the crowds, they're getting behind the manager. So, yeah, definitely. Wrexham, they play, they didn't play on Saturday, they play on Tuesday against Boreham Wood. A couple of huge games for Boreham Wood coming up. They had the Everton game on Thursday, which we'll touch on briefly. Um, they, Boreham Wood play Wrexham on Tuesday, then they play Chesterfield at home, Next week in the BT Sport kickoff, but quicker guys uh, on Boreham Wood. Uh, great performance away at Everton, wasn't it? Albeit in defeat. You go, Chris, as you're an Everton fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought they were absolutely outstanding, to be honest. And and you know, I've seen how Everton have been playing over the last uh, few months, and I've seen how Boreham Wood have been playing over the last few months, and I knew that it wouldn't be easy. And I think Everton did everything that Boreham Wood would would have wanted them to do. In the uh, in the first half of that game, which was put high balls in, get wide, put high balls in. Will Evans heads one out, and uh, and we know we've seen the script a, a million times, um, but Everton clearly hadn't. But they did change in the second half, and uh, and Everton obviously got the win. But for Boreham Wood, I thought they were a fantastic credit. I thought they were brilliant, although they didn't have that many um, attacking forays. I mean, they're playing a Premier League team away away from home on a Thursday night, eight fifteen. Yeah, discuss that one, but uh, we'll leave that one for another day. But mm. I thought I thought Boreham Wood did the did themselves and and did the league proud. Just briefly, I watched it as well from start to finish, and I, I concur with all you've said, Chris. And I think what Boreham Wood did mark on the night was they they kind of backed up that point you made a little bit earlier on. Um, historically, you look at that and think that's a massive gap, but. It has closed. It has closed, hasn't it, from top to Division 5 or whatever you want to call it? Just no question. There's no question at all. You know, the, um, the, the athleticism of the modern man or boy uh, is 100% um, closer than it ever has been before. So, yeah, so it, it didn't surprise me to a degree. Technical gaps, yes, not necessarily anything else. And, and, and we see that now in the FA Cup and... You know, the amount of teams that, that, that can progress and beat each other, League Two to National South and North and whatnot, for sure. We did get one or two little exclusives on this um, podcast and Luke Garrard sat there kind of where you were, if you like, a, a three or four weeks ago and and told us about how he, he thought, you know what, we're going to go and high press Bournemouth, you know. And he told a few people at the club and they went, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. He went, we can. Yeah. And they did. And they won. They yeah. beat Bournemouth. It was a fun, phenomenal result, wasn't it? Yeah, it really is exactly. You know, I mean, Bournemouth's biggest issue, no doubt, be keeping Luke, won't it? Yeah, let's face it. Um, he's in that breed of modern coach. I don't think it's fair to categorise young or old, but I do think if you're an old school manager or coach, you struggle now. 
it's the the high pressing football playing managers and coaches now that are successful. Um, pretty much that's how it is. The rest are slowly becoming redundant. Just behind them in fourth place, Halifax Town having an amazing season. Two second half goals from Tom Bradbury and and Zach Dernley, someone who Pete Wilde knows well. He signed him on loan from Oldham. You'll have seen him a few times as well, Chris. And that's a really good signing for Halifax as they look to push on towards the end of the season. He's a great signing. Whenever I saw him at, uh, at Oldham, he was, he was fantastic. And um, I think... It's just what a team needs, doesn't it? When they need that just extra kick in the new year and someone like that comes in and starts to starts to shine. And he is shining. And, you know, going down to Weymouth isn't easy. Uh, you know, Weymouth are, are fighting for points as well. So they'll be really pleased. And, and just a word on Halifax. I think that behind Boreham Wood, I'd argue that Halifax are now Stockport County's biggest, biggest challenge. And I think one thing that... Um, it might start improving, but have you seen the pitch at Halifax at the minute? It's uh, it's not great, and that might sometimes be a leveler for maybe away sides coming up and uh, and taking them on. But I think that you know they're, they're doing fantastically well under, under Pete Wilde, and um, certainly if they're not going to get that that top spot, I think they'll they'll be a real big challenges for those. Uh, what do you want to call them? Priority playoff spots, maybe. Yeah, they could slip down to fifth because if Bournemouth will beat Wrexham, they'll leapfrog both Halifax and Wrexham on Tuesday evening. In sixth and seventh, it's Solihull Moors and Notts County. Both of them drew. Both of them had to come from behind as well. Notts County um, were 1-0 down to Yeovil uh, and it took until the 94th minute in the end. Alex Lacey equalising there. And Solihull Moors were 2-0 down at home to Kings Lynn. It was looking like quite a surprising result there. Uh, Neil Hardley turned things around a little bit at halftime, and Solihull Moors managed to get the equaliser, but slight missed opportunity maybe for both of those sides, considering that Boreham Wood and Wrexham didn't play. Never underestimate a point, uh, ever. You know, and that, that, those points keep those two sides tucked in those playoff positions. You know, we've got, what, 13, 13 14 games to go. Um, they're right in amongst it. Um, fair play to Kings Lynn. Keep battling away. Wherever you are, there's always something to aim for. If you're Obviously, uh, you know, it, it, Dover, we'll come on to in a minute, but um, Kings Lynn at the moment, they're in the, uh, the middle relegation place. Now, they've got to do everything they can to try and catch Weymouth, who are five points above them. That won't get them to safety, but you just don't know. You never know. I remember Aldershot fighting for the fourth bottom spot a couple of seasons ago. They got it. They got it with a couple of games to go, and Gateshead were relegated for financial elect- you know, irregularities. So, um, it's a decent point for, for Kings Lynn, although they'd be frustrated they couldn't hold on for all three points. Rob, I'm going to say this now. I think that's coming from a man whose team is in 20th position <laughs> with with three down. I don't think... I know you were saying that something <laughs> might happen to one of the other teams, but there's such a, a gap now between um, those teams and yourself in, uh, in, in 20th position, I think. Yeah, I but think it's not... You, you give you Mark's example in the league below. If Billericke win two games on the trot, there's going to be a lot of teams looking over their shoulder. And believe me, if Weymouth do it, and they've been threatening to do it, they were ahead twice against Rom, uh, Bromley. I'm not kidding you. I'm just going to be straight. And you, you know, I'm just being human here. The first result I look for every week as Aldershot keep losing at the minute is Weymouth. And then I go, oh, thank God, we're still nine points clear of them. You know, it might prove to be enough, but. Um, you know, they're, they're all still fighting. Everybody's still fighting. 
Um, and, and, it, it, and, and they will keep battling until it's mathematically impossible. And talking of mathematical impossibilities, Luke, where does that leave us? lead us? At the very bottom, Dover, they, uh, they bowed out, sadly, of the National League. They got absolutely thumped at Barn. It did, and Andy Hessenthaler pointed out, and Dean Brennan pointed out, they haven't been thumped many times this year, but he was disappointed. He felt they gave up rather easily. And that is the end of their stay. And as we heard last week from Matt Gerrard from BBC Kent, it was always uh, an uphill battle for them. And Mark, it was... Um, Matt Gerrard described it as a bit of a, a slow... Long, almost like a death by a thousand cuts when you were given that 10 point deduction. And, and I know you've got some views on that. 12. Well, yeah. 12 points, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just horrific, horrific on all levels, really. But the horrificness doesn't end there. Weymouth's last game of the season um, is um, away at Dover, right? Basically, um, you've got a team. I mean, by the way, Andy Hessenthaler, you know, holds his head high. Um, you know, real matter of integrity, lots of respect. I mean, who was it doing any favours for Dover last year? I- I'm pretty confident that if the new National League board had to take the same decision again, they would have relegated Dover. Because what you have to have, you have to uphold integrity of the competition. So we've got a team with eight points in 31 games. And we've got teams that, from a promotional player point of view or relegation point of view, are going to come up against a team with nothing to play for whatsoever from this point on officially. And um, it was just a horrific decision. I mean, I don't believe anyone should have been promoted because none of us lot had finished our season. Uh, There wouldn't have been enough integrity in that. But the league was on an odd number, 23. They should have just said, listen, if you don't play your fixtures... It's good night, Vienna. You'll go down to the south. And then it would have made sure that that National League upheld more integrity. Because if I miss out, I know you could argue that everybody has to play Dover twice, but it's not like that. It's a done deal now. So when you've got, if it comes to the last game of the season, someone needs three points to get in the playoffs. You know, that's when you sort of look at that and, you know, it it doesn't look that great. It's not a good look. It, It doesn't look good for the National League to have a team of minus four. Looks dreadful. Terrible decision. Mm. Terrible. There you go. Not yeah. mincing these words as ever. Another team who've uh, caused a lot of um, chatter this week, and I know you want to chat about this, Robert Walking. They lost 1-0 away at Grinsby in the very last minute. Manny Disaruve scoring the goal there to keep Grinsby's playoff hopes alive. Uh, Alan Dowson was sacked this week. Uh, a direct a couple of directors have gone. The kit man's gone. There's a lot of unrest um, Alan Dowson was really upset about how they went about. He said a 20-second t- phone call was all that he got. And um, But since then, like I say, a couple of directors have decided to leave. There seems to be a big split at the club now. Yeah, they, uh, they're in a little bit of uh, turmoil. I think the outgoing uh, chairman, uh, Rosemary, has, 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 has alluded to that. And, and I believe Rosemary's gone. And I believe one or two others are gone. The, the, the Kelvin, the director of football, have gone because they want to stand up against um, not necessarily the decision for Dows to go, but the way it was actually achieved, which is fundamentally wrong. You know, um, Mark, I know you know Dows. Um, that can't be right. What that man's given to that club to get a 20-second phone call to, to part with his services. It's everything that's wrong about football when you get owners come in. So 
what that tells you is that, and I don't know them from Adam, but I don't need to know them. If that's the way they carry out their business, then we know automatically that, you know, Woking might have to be a bit cautious moving forward. You know, Dowson is, I don't know if you can say this in this day and age, a man's man. He'd be the first to say, I've underachieved, overachieved. He'd be the first to step down or to accept if he was pushed away. Um, he's raised money constantly for the club to help them keep afloat. He is an old school manager, massive heart. Um, and, um, you know, it, it was, there's no, there's nothing about that story that's inflated. It was a 20 second phone call um, for a man that had done so much. In honesty, don't think the fans of Woking have covered themselves in glory um, with some of the stuff I've read and heard um, regarding um, Alan. And, um, and it does disappoint you when football fans don't necessarily see the bigger picture. Where is their club in regards to the status of other clubs in their division? You know, really see what's what. They also took them from the National South back into the National League stabilised the club, you could argue. And um, for right or wrong, you know, I think that is a great example of owners acting on above-the-line noise and nothing else. And I'm glad that Rosemary and that have stood up for what's right. The bigger picture for Woking is, when you've got owners like that about, be worried. That's what I would say. Now, after Aldershot beat them at New Year, we spoke about it, didn't There was a lot of comments on Twitter saying, you know, it's time for Dows to go. And I know you defended him then. And it does seem he has been kind of fighting an uphill battle the last couple of months almost, doesn't it? Yeah, look, you know, if, if you take into account the, 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 the back end of last season and then this season, albeit for the, for the start, then, you know, on, on, on a football discussion on merit, it might have been time for Dows to go. That isn't the point here. The point is about the principle, about the way you you handle things, um, and and you know I, I I wondered when it, the way it was announced, when it was announced, I thought oh maybe they've maybe they've done their work in the background, they've got the next man lined up, but I'm doubting that more and more by the day. I think they literally have to get their house in order themselves now before they go and appoint somebody else. Um, and 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 chaps, I know you know I know him well, and 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 you know we built a relationship over the last year or so, but. I don't think there could be a better candidate for that job once they get their house in order than Neil Smudger-Smith. He's a former Woking player, a former Woking captain. He's a manager who's got an excellent managerial level at this level. And what did he do at Bromley? He transitioned them from a part-time to a full-time club, which is the journey that Woking are on and has gone a little bit sticky. So, uh, yeah, um, for me, uh, but, you know, if I was Neil Smith right now, I'd have a little question mark as well. You know, managers will have a little question mark about going in there, won't they? I mean, I know they won't work, but that's worrying. Yeah, there's another. It? Yeah, there's 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 another club. I, 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 they remain nameless in the National League. The managers avoid with a barge pole. You do get that for sure um, when they're run by people a little bit off the wall. But I just got to say, it never ceases to amaze me. Even in the Premier League, you see it when owners get rid of managers. And, and these sometimes these owners are multi-millionaires, sometimes billionaires. And you think, blimey, you've not got any nows between you. Stockport, Chesterfield, Wrexham, Soderhull, Knox County, Grimsby, Bromley even, Torquay, Southend. 
you know, the clubs in that division, where are you going to finish? Where are you going to finish? I know, I know Woking's resources. Forget the full-time bit. Their resources before that were akin to a bottom-half South team, right? So when they went full-time, I guarantee you, if you looked at their resources in, in comparison to the division, they'd be in the bottom six, even on a full-time one. So where are you going to finish? And the fans need to look at that more. And the owners need to understand if you buy a football club where they're at, whether Dallas is the man for the job or not. It's for me, it's just to your point, you know, not a good sign of things with people running a football club. And just just my two pennies on that. I mean, Woking were challenging for the playoff spots early in the season, not so long ago. And the other thing that we were talking about not so long ago, which was maybe November or December time, that a football league club was interested in talking to Alan Dowson about a vacancy that they had as well. So I think Alan Dowson will be okay going forward. But yeah, I echo everything that that you've said about how it's been dealt with. Another team who brought in a new manager over the past week, Eastley, uh, Lee Bradbury came in. He didn't come into a massive fanfare from some of the fans, but Chris, he got off to a, a fantastic start, didn't he, with a 4-1 win over Wealdstone? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad we've mentioned this game because I think it is quite a significant one that, that he's come in. And I mean, in, in all fairness, it was probably a nice game for him to, to start off with compared to some of the fixtures that he could have had. But he's gone in there. He's talked about there's still a lot of things to work on. There's still a bit of... Uh, energy and 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 endeavourly uh, needed. My, my point is that Eastleigh aren't a bad squad, and it's, they're not where we thought they would be at this stage of the season. And if someone like Lee Bradbury can come in and build off that, then I mean, not for this season. We're not talking this season now. I think playoffs have gone. I think relegation is 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 probably too far away. But for for building for next season, I thought it was quite a significant day for them yesterday. Yeah, and the other two games uh, finished nil-nil. Maidenhead United and Altingham. Alan Devonshire didn't feel his team were quite at it, despite having the better chances. And, and Torquay and Bromley drew nil-nil. Bromley are now winless in four. They've lost two, drawn two. Uh, Torquay had Joe Lewis sent off after half an hour. So they played around an hour with 10 men, but defended manfully. And then Andy Woodman paid Torquay a lot of credit for that. Mark, thanks mm. for coming on. No, listen, thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it, guys, and appreciate the good yeah. work you do for the league and, you know, raising mm. its profile and, and keeping everybody engaged. Last but not least, it is the National League North. And Dickie, the game of the day was Gateshead against Kidderminster. And wow, what a result for Gateshead. Yeah, I don't think anybody was expecting a, a margin of victory quite this big. Uh, Gateshead uh, beat Kidderminster Harriers 4 0. Um, uh, to just reassert sort of the authority they've got at the top of the league. Macaulay Langstaff and Greg Oliver goals in the first half. Langstaff with a third and then Taylor Charters adding the fourth uh, in the 67th minute. And and it sounded fairly comfortable. Um, I think there was some disappointment clearly around Kidderminster. Um, they played, uh, they, they put subsidised coach travel on to make sure they had a good level of support there. And I believe Kidderminster took about 250 away fans. Um I, I even read some suggestions that there might have been some booing of Kidderminster at the end of the game, which uh, mm. I think a few uh, sort of regular Kidderminster fans sort of felt that that might be, you know, uh, that that's pretty harsh on their team, really. But, you know, expectations have been raised mm. by the FA Cup run and how well they've been doing. And, yeah, you know, it's I, I don't think they were worthy of that, to be perfectly honest. Do you think, I'm reading Russ Penn's comments, he seemed very deflated after. Do you think maybe... 
with all the FA Cup stuff and the amount of games that maybe they're just a bit mentally drained at the minute? Quite possibly. I mean, they've had they had all that attention. They were they were in the goldfish bowl, and and particularly with the way um, West Ham um, that that game went. I mean, uh, Telford were playing them a week later, um, and I spoke to a, a, another manager of a National League North club. Who, you know, I spoke about the fact that we were facing them a week after that Kidderminster game, and and whether they might be deflated or not. And he said take it from me he said they'll be deflated he said when they've gone as close as they've gone to almost knocking West Ham out yes we know you know the league's important they've got a lot to play for but you know you run out a week later and you've still got those thoughts of what might have been in your head then yeah getting back on the horse again after that is quite difficult Second place of Brackley, they drew nil-nil at Southport and it wasn't really a surprise because it's the two teams with the most clean sheets who clashed there, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And, you know, if, if if I'd looked at this one beforehand and somebody had suggested it'd be nil-nil, I probably would have agreed. I think probably the only the major talking point from it was the sending off of Max Deutsch of Brackley in the 63rd minute. But, you know, Brackley, we've spoken about their defensive record, how good they are on the road um, with 10 men for the last half an hour or so. They saw that out and got a point, and that's what Brackley Town do. Southport point is still pretty good for them. They're still in the playoff position. So um, not a terrible day for either, but, you know, uh, clearly both of them would have wanted the win. Yeah, Fylde suffered their third defeat in four in midweek. They lost at home to York City. That saw the end of Jim Bentley, uh, but they did win on Saturday against Bradford Park. And, you know, much needed win and, Jim Bentley, it's felt like he's been under pressure the last few weeks, hasn't he? It, 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 there wasn't uh, much of a surprise around this, really, was there, in the end, Dickie? No, I don't think there was, ultimately. I mean, no, knowing what Foyle's ambitions are, I mean, J- Jim Bentley, you know, would be well aware of what Foyle's ambitions were when he went there. And, and as managers, you know what the score is if you don't deliver, I think, with the, the investment that's gone into Foyle. Um, for them to be looking at, at, a, at a playoff place, at best now um, I think there was something like 14 points adrift going into this game yesterday against Gateshead with one or two games in hand but it's still they're still a long way back um, it's a shame because Jim Bentley's a good football man uh, and and you know he, he had uh, his health issues when he went in that filed there as well and you know they allowed him that time which you know credit to them on that score but um, that's football for you. You know, it, it's a it's a ruthless game, and unfortunately, um, they've not delivered. I did see um, Alex Whitmore, their captain, said that he was gutted by the decision. Felt that you know they as players needed to bear some responsibility for for Jim's uh, departure. But uh, yeah, they they delivered yesterday. Goals from Ben Tollett and Nick Horton got them a two nil win over Bradford Park Avenue. Charlie Leapfrog Southport. They. Won two one at Chester. Chester in a horrendous run of form at the minute, but a good win for Charlie. Uh, as I said, they leapfrog Southport. Two goals for Jack Sampson, but Chester will just be looking over the shoulders slightly now. Do you think, Dicky? I think they are. Yeah, I mean, um, Sampson uh, just touching on Fylde. There, who's a player that uh, that Charlie have resigned from or have, have signed from Fylde in, in recent uh, weeks. He got both Marcus Dacker's with an 89th minute penalty for Chester, but yeah, not good enough really. Um, and I think Chester fans, there are some of them who are looking over their shoulders. I think they feel that perhaps 
the best they can hope for is just to get to the end of this season and then just have a massive clear out. Now, whether it's Steve Watson who's at the helm in order to you know conduct that massive clear out, I think some of the fans are even suggesting they're not sure he's the man for the job. I think Steve Watson himself has admitted that this is his first time managing a truly semi-professional side that he's been in charge of fully professional teams in a semi-professional league before. And I think some of that adjustment to being the manager of semi-professional players has been quite difficult for him as well. So um, you would think that Chester would have enough, but uh, looking at their running, it's not great. They've got a lot of the top teams still to play. Um, and yeah, that they need to start getting some wins from somewhere. Yeah, York and Hereford met at Edgar Street on Saturday. Hereford, York continued their good run, albeit it was only a draw. John Askey, I know he said before this game that they can't win every game. Well, they didn't. And they've got a big game at Dagger and Rebridge in the FA Trophy to look forward to next week. But a point away from home isn't, isn't too bad, especially at somewhere like Hereford. No, he's decent given the form that, that Hereford are in. Uh, Michael Woods returned for York and he scored their goal just on a stroke of half time. So that's a bonus for them. Um, but Mazia Kuyar with an equaliser in the 84th minute of Hereford. I think a draw probably looks maybe what I would have expected um, based on the current form going into that one. Um, I think John Askey, uh, he's, I mentioned manager of the month earlier. I think he's my tip to be the manager of the month in the National League North for February. I think it was um, a 100% record in the league in February for him. And they've carried some of that form on. And as you said, they've got that big FA Trophy tie next week. Yeah, just below them, Boston drew 1-1 at home to Leamington. Darlington, they got a late winner against Blythe Spartans by a goal to nil. Jake Lawler scored there, didn't he? Yes, it's been credited to Jake Lawler, although having seen a photograph of it, I think there are some suggestions that possibly um, David Wheat, uh, uh, their recent signing, might have uh, the, the ball over the goal line for that one. I don't think it, it matters ultimately. A 1-0 win, uh, Darlington got the job done there. Um, and yeah, they, 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 I think they might still be harboring hopes of pushing themselves into the playoff picture, but it feels a little bit distant for me that. Gloucester got a vital win, didn't they? They won away at Curzon Ashton. That moves them now eight points clear of bottom spot. Uh, massive win for them. Fabian Robert scoring late on. Yeah, he did. Robert scored. Uh, he's the brother of uh, Lauren Robert, who used to play for Newcastle United. He scored in the 88th minute after Danny King uh, pulled Gloucester level on the hour. Um, Conor DeMaio scored really early on for Curzon. He's on loan back to Curzon for the rest of the season from Boston United. Um, and you'd have looked at that one and thought that that was wouldn't exactly say a banker home win, but you would have thought Curzon Ashton would have overcome Gloucester, but yeah, a really important win for the Tigers there. Yeah, down at the bottom, it is tight. As I mentioned, Chester looking over their shoulders a little bit. Blythe, they lost at Darlington, as I mentioned. Uh, Farsley Celtic, they lost 1-0 in midweek at Bradford Park Anu in a tight game. And they lost 2-1 at home to Spennymore and reading the report. They, they felt like they were a bit hard done to, Farsley. Yeah, I mean, they, they fell behind fairly early on and goal from their own goalkeeper, Kyle Trenary, and then uh, Jordan Thewlis made it 2-0 spending more before half-time. There was a couple of red cards then in the second half. Jimmy Spencer, he's a big influence for, for Farsley. He got a straight red on 59 minutes. Uh, 
not only lost him for the last half an hour of, of the game yesterday, but they're going to have to deal with him going forward for perhaps a couple of games as well. And, you know, in their situation, you need um, players of the calibre of Jimmy Spencer available. Um, it, it got evened up not too long after James Curtis sent off for Spennymore Town. And, and there was a goal back uh, late on for Farsley through Bratton. But yeah, ultimately it wasn't enough. Yeah, Geisley, uh, our second bottom at the minute, two points ahead of Farsley. But the, in, importantly, they have got two or three games on hands on the team above them. Three games on the team above them are, who are Telford, who have been on a decent run recently. They were 2-0 up against Alfredton, but ultimately lost 3-2, didn't they? Yeah, and Telford went into this game on the back of uh, three games um, unbeaten. They got points at Kettering, they drew with Gates last weekend, and then they had a really good win over Curzon Ashton on Tuesday night. So uh, the hopes were high going into this game, particularly given that Alfreton had been on a fairly dreadful run. They were winless in their last four games, and they hadn't scored in any of those four as well. Um, I, I kind of made the point of deliberately not making people aware of that too much before kickoff because they would think that I would jinx it if I'd mentioned it but it came to pass that Telford gave up a 2-0 lead to uh, lose 3-2 Jason Oswell with both Telford goals one just before half time one just after half time and they looked to be in the driving seat but then a, a penalty was awarded barely a minute later Matt Reed rolled that one down the middle and, and cut the deficit. Bailey Hobson, we've spoken about him before and, and and what a rising star he is. He scored an absolutely fantastic goal. I do hope the highlights are available because just a simply unstoppable shot from outside of the box right into the top corner. Um, and I think that rocked Telford back on their heels and then um, some some poor defending ultimately led to Matt Reed being on the end of a cross. When Matt Reed is on the end of a cross, you know what the result's likely going to be. Um, he powered in a header from close range. And, and yeah, Telford tried, couldn't get back into it, had a couple of late opportunities, but couldn't take them. Um, Paul Carden was described it as the most disappointed he's been, most frustrated he's been, most angry he's been after after any Telford result. Um um, since he took over in November, I think just uh, for the fact they got themselves into a good position and then just completely shot themselves in the foot. Quickly before we go, then the England Sea Squad's been announced. It was in the non-league paper. I don't know how big a secret it was, but the non-league paper revealed it anyway. Uh, we'll quickly run through the squad. So the two goalkeepers are Ryan Boot from Solihull Moors and Scott Loach from Chesterfield. The defenders are Richard Brinley from Notts County, Ash Palmer from Stockport County, Aaron Hayden and Ben Toza from Wrexham and Nathan Ralph from Southend United. Midfielders are Will Collar and Ryan Crowsdale from Stockport. Matt Robinson from Dagenham and Redbridge and Joe Sabara from Solihull Moors. And up front, it's got Callum Roberts from Notts County, Michael Cheek from Bromley, Paul Mullen from Wrexham, Liam Mandeville from Chesterfield and Epron Mason-Clark from Barnet. So all National League players from the top division in that squad. There are a lot of backup players as well, so we may see some North and South players and players from Northern and Isthmian and the Southern League as well. But what do we make of that, guys? Well, I make that it's a very, very, very strong team, that, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I'm not sure that Wales would have been expecting um, such a strong team to, to come up against. I mean, you've got some fantastic players in there. I mean, I would say Will Collar and Ryan Crowsdale are so just 
as I said earlier, just so difficult to get through. Um, but look at the forward, look at the strike power that you've got there. In I mean, Mike, Michael Cheek, Paul Mullin, Liam, Liam Mandeville, Cal Roberts, Ephraim Mason Clark. What a, and, you know, this this is arguably the strongest England C squad that I can remember seeing. Mm. Absolutely. Paul um, Paul Faircuss said it's a mixture, really. It's a mixture of players who maybe didn't get a chance early in their career to play for England C. There's also the players who maybe have missed out due to COVID, who would have been in the squad and are now too old to participate. And players who uh, he's been loyal to, like Ephraim Mason Clark. But I'm sure we'll see some dropouts. I know uh, there has been some murmurings, hasn't there? Certainly there's no boring wood players have been picked because they're off to a, uh, on a, a mid-season break to or a a three a three day break I think to Dubai's reward for the FA Cup uh, exploits, but uh, we may well see some changes to that squad, might we? I think we might. Yes, I mean, um, my feeling that when I saw you know the number of um, Stockport and Wrexham players in there is that I couldn't imagine that that would especially delight the fans of Stockport and Wrexham because they they don't want their players taking you know part in in games unnecessarily where you know there's a risk of injury. Um, given you know the position they got themselves into in the league, so we'll we'll see how that goes. I think clearly the Wrexham players being in there um, will help to sell the game, as it were, mm. because you know it's being held in Carnarvon. So you know you might well have some Wrexham fans who will make their way over because they've got their own players taking part in the game, but also perhaps to support Wales in the fixture as well. So. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be a little bit of shuffling around. I mean, it would be rare for any international squad to, you know, with injuries and 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 su- the such like. But yeah, you you look at that, and I and I suppose once again it speaks volumes about the strength of the national league and the quality of the players playing in it now. That you you look at that team, and as as you did, Chris, there you're almost kind of blown away by some of the of the ability that's in that team. Brill, well, that is it. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Dickie, thank you very much. No, you're very welcome. Always good to see you. And Chris, thank you as always. Cheers, Luke. Thank you very much. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Rob. Yeah, pleasure as always. What a great guest. Yeah, don't forget to subscribe to us. Give us a follow on Twitter, at NL Full Time. It's the same on Instagram. And we'll see you all next week. (laughs) 